2018, the official video game of Formula One, is available now on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Go to FormulaOneGame.com or visit your local retailer to pick up a copy and make headlines today. everyone, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am Drew Scanlon, joining me once again, Mr. Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob Zachney? Oh my god, just relieved I'll finally be able to talk about Monza. <laughs> You've been holding it up inside. Just two weeks of pressure, just <laughs> building, like I'm about to pop. Oh like, man. Uh, like a girl in Willy Wonka. <laughs> Does she pop, or do they just like... Do they... No, I think she floats away. She didn't Right? They... One of them floats... Wait, somebody they roll away to juicing, right? Don't they juice somebody? It's been a while. while. I've forgotten (laughs) all the various ways that Willy Wonka and the Oompa Loompas, like, murder kids. Uh Uh-huh. But I thought it was the girl who, like, swelled up, and then they just, like, rolled away. Man, I love that sort of, like, uh, unchained movie-making of the 70s. Where you could really just do anything you wanted. Uh, Selma Patong, by the way, means good evening. Because, Rob, we have an evening race coming up this weekend. Very fitting. Uh, But before we get to that... By the way, that's Malay for good evening. Because uh, we don't have a Malaysian Grand Prix anymore. But we do have a Singapore Grand Prix, which is right next door. Um, But, Rob, before we get to that race, we've got... (laughs) We've got quite a race to talk about uh, that preceded Singapore, the aforementioned Monza. Do we ever one of the uh, one of the best races of the year? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, starting with qualifying uh, or really pole position, I think that kind of overshadowed everything else uh, that happened in qualifying. Kimi Raikkonen pole position. There are many more exciting words. <laughs> than those uh and he did finally it in, did it he, yeah and he did it in in uh in flamboyant style I, I i guess probably confusing to a lot of ferrari fans uh and i guess myself because um a lot of a lot of times what teams will do is you know put their their second driver, even if they say they don't have a second driver, they'll put the guy with the mo- the best chance of winning out in, um, uh, or they'll put the second driver in front to tow the first driver to be the across. Tow, yeah, yeah, to punch a hole through the air and make the guy behind the number one driver go much faster. That didn't happen uh, on this one. No, and you saw just about every team trying to do this. Like, uh, certainly. Uh, McLaren were desperately trying to give their cars a little bit of uh, speed down the straights. Like the, like at Monza, you need that toe, especially if you're down a little bit on power. I don't think it surprised me quite as much, though, in Ferrari's case, just because, like, I've been watching, like, we've been watching Vettel for a number of years, right? And, like, if there's one thing that I think really typifies Vettel's style and the way he prefers to race... When we saw this back at, at, at Red Bull, it's why he's so formidable if he's got a little bit of a performance edge at all. 
is that if he gets into clean air and can just drive basically undisturbed by himself, he is the absolute best version of himself. Like I think stylistically, I think in terms of car handling feel, I think he has a preference for driving that way. And to the point where maybe it is self-defeating. Maybe he wanted to be away from his teammate and into slightly clearer air, even though it was going to cost him just a little bit of time uh, because he was he was missing out on the toe. Yeah, he said something uh, on the radio right after he qualified in second place. He said, uh, uh, "We we will speak after." <laughs> Being very cryptic, uh, but he then said later that he he basically refused to explain what that meant. Uh, this from RaceFans.net. Clearly, I wasn't happy, but I don't tell you why. He told media when asked about his message in the press conference after qualifying. Pressed again for an explanation, Vettel said, I don't tell you. That's the same question as I had before. Sorry. So clearly some yeah. some uh, disagreement maybe with the team or miscommunication. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, if we've seen some weird lapses from Ferrari. Usually it goes against Kimi. Uh, in terms of qualifying uh, strategy and timing. It's possible that there was a screw-up over there in terms of timing, and they didn't have the cars uh, ready concurrently to get the track position they wanted. But I'm pretty sure, if, if memory serves, it was con- it was a consistent feature, I think, throughout a lot of the day that, that Vettel was not driving behind Raikkonen. Like, I don't think in the earlier qualifying runs he had... Uh, I don't think he'd ever really gone with the uh, with the toe deployment. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, um, but not. It barely cost him. Like it cost him a tenth, um, but a decisive tenth. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Kimi Räikkönen on pole position with a one nineteen one one. Sebastian Vettel a one nineteen point two eight. So yeah, pretty close. And then right behind him. With a one nineteen point two nine four, Lewis Hamilton, uh, and then Valtteri Bottas, and then in fifth place we got Max Verstappen, followed by Roman Grosjean, Carlos Sainz Jr., Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, and Lance Stroll, rounding out the top ten. Stroll getting the Williams into Q three. Uh, behind the top ten, we've got Magnussen, Sorokin, uh, again a Williams, uh, pretty high up starting. Uh, Alonso. Perez, Leclerc in 15th, uh, Hartley, Van Dorn, uh, then Ericsson, who got a 10-place grid penalty for an engine change, uh, followed by Ricardo and Hulkenberg, who got uh, uh, sent to the back of the grid for power unit changes. Uh, so uh, if for me, the, the question going into the start was, what's Kimmy going to do? He, <laughs> he has never, the, the stat is, he has never gained a place on an opening lap uh, this season, and I think a lot of last season too. Uh, but does that mean that he's going to seed first place to Sebastian Vettel? They are teammates after all, and Vettel is the de facto race, you know, the 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 one that Ferrari's throwing all their chips in with. So uh, I was really curious to see how this one started. Um, do you want to take us through the start? Oh, God, it's... It's so much happening all at once. Uh, I mean, the first thing that uh, I saw is already you saw toward the back there, uh, just Hartley getting completely swamped 
at the start. Raikkonen got off to a pretty uh, a, a pretty solid start, um, but from the first, Vettel and Hamilton ended up kind of uh, caught up together. Um, and their sequence through that first chicane that sort of starts off uh, Monza already was sort of sort of foreshadowed what was going to happen next, uh, where you know Vettel tries to cut off uh, the inside of the first part of the chicane, but that ends up I think seeding uh, Hamilton the inside of the second part of the chicane and sort of through there uh, you know. That's kind of the way it's going to work. Is that it's it's hard to get an edge and and hold on to it. Um, Raikkonen, I really, I, I really thought that he was going to blow it because he had a bad lockup uh, there at the start, and I was, you have that moment right where it's oh here we go <laughs> yep. it's it's the start of the race and and here here goes Raikkonen he's already uh, he, he's already screwing it up. Uh, but he he managed to he managed to rally and and he gets out uh, ahead through um, Curva, Curva Grande and then well opinions are going to differ I think <laughs> about what happens next um, so Vettel and Hamilton are racing through Curva Grande uh, Hamilton gets a strong run uh, coming out of there and they're racing down to the second chicane. And it looks to me on replay like Vettel's a little bit indecisive heading into that second chicane, right? He sort of, he is not sure which line he wants to defend. Like the car almost, if you watch it on replay, it almost wobbles as he's like double and triple like thinking himself Mm -hmm. uh, heading into the second chicane. And he starts to like cover the uh, outside line. And then at the last minute, he starts to want to move back over to the inside, but Hamilton's already there. Uh, it's a tight chicane. Um, it's you, you come up on it fast, coming out of Curva Grande and down that little straight. And there, I think there was, I, I think there absolutely was room. Uh, but as Hamilton uh, takes that inside position, he nicks, uh, he, he nicks Vettel. I want to say. Um, and it yeah, spins they, they Vettel around. It's Vettel's yeah. front right hitting Hamilton's left side pod. Because uh, yeah. it's a it's first a um, it's first a left turn and then a right. Yeah, and that pretty much. I mean, that's that's kind of Vettel's race to an extent, right? Like yeah, he, he gets, gets dumped around. all the way back. He does the um, rage spin thing uh, that you see drivers. <laughs> do sometimes just completely it's a fast way to turn the car around but does the complete like light up of the tires mm-hmm. whips it around uh and goes off in pursuit but you know his his track position is screwed uh, i don't know what did you make of it uh i i agree with the stewards who noted uh no further action um you know i think it, they're watching it again uh you see why it happened but i Personally, with my expert opinion, I didn't see anything untoward happen. You know, I don't. I don't think anyone did anything wrong. Um, uh, for Hamilton's part, there are some quotes here from RaceFans.net. Uh, I was surprised that Sebastian chose the inside, not going to the outside of Kimi. That was my mm-hmm. opportunity. I stuck it down the inside and had to make sure I was far enough alongside. 
Uh, I remember a few years ago, I was on the inside and it didn't come off, didn't come off very well. But ultimately, there was enough space between us. I'm guessing maybe he locked up. I don't know why he touched, but it was a brief moment. Just damaged, damaged the car a little, but I was able to continue. Uh, the rear was moving around a bit more, so that made it a little bit difficult, but not impossible. Uh, Vettel described his move as, quote, silly, but the stewards ruled it a racing incident. Uh yeah, I can see. I you yeah. know I can see both sides. I know why Vettel is angry about that. Um, but like, yeah, again, that's that's the kind of thing that happens at the start of a race. Uh, and you're either yeah, going to get caught out by the close quarters combat, um, or you're going to get rewarded by the risks that you take. So, yeah, and I thought there was there was room. I mean, the 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 trouble is. You can't turn At on these a dime. speeds. Yeah, exactly. Like there's room, but is a car going to be able to negotiate that chicane? Yeah. Like, can they go side by side that way? I don't know, but the trick is to not find yourself in that position where you need to. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, to an extent, and yeah, I uh, like. I thought it was. I, I thought it was great racing. Uh, it was a blast to watch. Also, like Hamilton got very lucky. Frankly, right? Like, yeah, I mean, he didn't get spun around. It's not like he knew exactly that that was going to happen. Like it was. I, I think he would probably prefer not to get his car hit by another car. Yeah, it's a total crapshoot heading into those situations. Like, there is an alternate reality where, like, absolutely Hamilton ends up, uh, you know, getting spun around in that in that encounter as well. But, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a start to the race. Yeah, uh, and you're right. Hartley got a squeeze from Van Dorn and Erickson uh, and earned himself a puncture, which I think... It brought out the safety car, right? There was a safety car? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, which then on the restart, so that that kind of negates any lead that Raikkonen had on Hamilton um, after that incident with, with Vettel. So they get crunched up again, and then we restart on lap four, and Hamilton immediately pounces on Raikkonen uh, at the end of the, the straight at turn one and gets around uh, before the first turn. Uh, but then... At the same place that Hamilton passed Vettel, the second chicane, Raikkonen fights back with perhaps the most exciting move I have seen him pull all year and maybe since I've started watching Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, yeah. He fights back and, and, and repasses Hamilton. And I think it's a clear sign, like, again, I sort of stand by the idea that Ferrari had the better car this weekend as well. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Raikkonen had the power to execute that move. And once he was ahead of Hamilton, it really did look... Uh, I, guess I, I guess I did expect him to be able to like open up a little more of a lead than, than he did, really. Uh, but it, like, that, that moment where, where Raikkonen takes the position back, I really thought that was going to be a bit of a replay of what we saw uh, back at Spa, right? Where the Ferrari gets out ahead and the difference in power just becomes decisive. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I certainly thought, here of all places, uh, that would be the end of things. Yeah. Uh, it's not just these two characters, though. Perez and Magnussen also getting into it at Curva Grande. Perez on the inside <laughs> and drifts into Magnussen, snapping off some of Magnussen's bodywork and pushing him off the track. Uh, Botas goes for a move on the inside of Verstappen uh, at turn one. Uh, but Verstappen locks up and has to cut the track. Uh, to which I thought this was funny. Um, Max got a message saying, Charlie says we've used up our Joker on that one, so we won't be able to do that again. I guess implying that, like, which, <laughs> you know, 
Well, and an important one, an important bit of foreshadowing, by the way. Uh, yeah, the, we we've used our Joker. Uh, Charlie Whiting will re- remember that, <laughs> um, and that comes up later at the same place. It does. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Um, but a, like a couple laps after that, lap twenty-one of fifty-three, uh, Raikkonen pits, which is relatively early. I think kind of surprising a lot of people, um, presumably to attempt the undercut of Hamilton. Um, I do not know what. <laughs> like, it was so early. Is the thing? Yeah. Like he it started was on the super soft tires, incredibly early, which are the softest yeah. of the race weekend. Uh, went on, to but soft also tires. this is one of the gentlest tracks on tires in okay. terms of like wear. Um, I it was it was an odd decision to me. It looked well. So the there's been a little bit of controversy uh, because there's two pit crews out there at the same time, right? Like Mercedes also sends their pit crew out. Yeah. Um. And like when they see Raikkonen this, coming. Yeah, and there's sort of this controversy of like, did did Mercedes uh bait? Ferrari into making the pit stop was it the phantom pit stop question because mm-hmm. uh, you're not because you are not allowed to just deploy your pit crews out into pit lane uh, without there being at least some intention of bringing the car in uh, so you can't like there's limits to the mind games you can play there uh, there's safety issues for for having people uh, you know in pit lane uh, out in the pit boxes. So there's there's a lot of like aspects of this the FIA has tried to crack down on. But here's the other thing: these two teams are watching each other. Like Mercedes is set up for a re- reactive pit stop, um, so yeah. that like basically whatever as they enter that pit that pit window, whatever Ferrari is going to do, um, Mercedes at least they claim later Mercedes was going to do the opposite, right? So if Raikkonen stays out, Mercedes was going to pit. And put Hamilton on the softs, presumably, and send him out. Um, and it sort of seems like the implication is, well, the argument that like somehow Mercedes were being unsporting there is that I guess Ferrari were tri- <laughs> Ferrari were tricked by those dastardly <laughs> Mercedes uh, mechanics, and they sort of. Um, lunged into the pits without thinking it through. I don't I don't think it's Mercedes. I think it was an unforced error from from Ferrari. Hmm. Okay. Uh yeah, worth pointing out that Charlie has weighed in on this. Um and he's <laughs> I think I think it's you that said uh the rule of cool. Mhm. Uh <laughs> which I love. Uh he basically says this from uh, racefans.net. Uh, my feeling is and remains that it's all part of the game. We don't like teams hanging around in the pit lane if they're not actually doing a pit stop, if they come out as if they're going to do one. If they did it every lap, I think we'd have something to say. But they may well have been thinking about stopping and then change their minds. Unless someone does it, uh, unless someone does something overtly incorrect, I don't think we'll do anything about it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. For, for Mercedes's part, Toto Wolf says the team were only preparing to pit in case Raikkonen stayed out. Uh, quote, what you call the phantom pit stop, it wasn't phantom. We were prepared to do the opposite to Ferrari. If Kimi hadn't pitted, we would have. It's how we were prepared. Would you have pitted on lap 21, I wonder? 
it's so there's another important detail that becomes decisive here uh and which only they only really discussed on the broadcast as it became apparent that that Ferrari made a massive uh, mistake, which is that at no point had they really done extensive testing, particularly like wear testing on the soft tire. Yeah. So they staked everything on the idea that they're going to be able to run three quarters of the length race, basically on a tire. They haven't run on this track. And but this is this is is again like the more you know about F one a useful teachable moment. Tires don't just like wear um, predictably. Like how a tire wears is really important, and sometimes tires, for reasons that are c- kind of hard to hard to grok, they don't just like lose grip on a steady like uh, like linear curve. They start to wear unpredictably as like the tire begins to come apart under the stresses placed on it. And that's what happened here. Uh, the the Ferrari and soft tire combo uh, would end up proving to be disastrous and, like, decisively race-losing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hamilton chooses to pit, like, eight laps after Raikkonen. Uh, so it's not... Like, they're kind of running a different race. Um between those two times, though, Ricardo goes out with a clutch issue, which is just, ugh. <laughs> he started from the back, and now he's out. Great. One to forget. Um, but w- worth pointing out, though, that when Hamilton pits, Botas does not. So he is on track uh, as the de facto leader. So directly behind him now is Raikkonen, followed by Hamilton, who comes out of the pits behind Raikkonen. And Botas is told, quote, keep Kimmy behind you. Um, which is, you know, <laughs> kind of, it has, uh, it has been Botas's, I guess, not his MO, but his, uh, his task this season, which is to kind of run interference. Um, but he seems kind of fine with that. He says after the race, yeah. he says, it wasn't really like I was sacrificing my race as long as I was keeping Kimmy behind. If he overtook me, then for sure I would lose time. So. It's an interesting psychology. Don't call him a wingman. But if you just need him to stay out and like ruin somebody's race for Lewis, uh, then it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> he says, uh, I was happy to do it because for me, I knew I would still get a chance to attack Verstappen. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't think it comp- compromised. Uh, it was all good. Um, did did Raikkonen go aggressively after Botas, it feels like he did try to press uh, Botas quite a bit, but I don't know that it's as, it's it's as like Botas's tires are starting to fall apart uh, that like you heard Mar- Martin Brundle on the broadcast comment that like already by like lap thirty six mm-hmm. he's like Kimmy's tires don't look right yeah um, they're not like it's not just that they're like they look older than they should they're not wearing correctly. Um, they're yeah. starting to form uh, massive blisters, and you don't want that because, like, blisters—it's it's a bit like you know a blister on your foot. Like, if it ruptures, it takes it like tears through layers underneath. Gross. Um, and that is what is happening to Kimmy's tires. Is there's just like this band of blistering uh, all over 
uh, mostly the rears, I think, is where I, th- I think I saw most of the uh, the really terrible damage. Yeah, rear left, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, he's in a tough spot because with these cars, if you get close to the guy in front of you, you get a lot of turbulent air that wears your tires. But you can't drop back because Lewis Hamilton is behind you. So you kind of have to stay in this weird... Or you can try to overtake Botas, uh, which, you know, if you lock up and work your tires even harder, that's not good either. So uh, I guess this is why they're paid the big bucks. Uh, it has been kind of fun, though, to watch Vettel overtake a bunch of people in this race, uh, even though he, he started effectively from, like, 18th yeah. place on lap one. Um, and he does he does that. Uh, lap 43, the Botas mm. Verstappen tussle flares up again. Uh, yeah. So Botas is behind Verstappen, who is in third place, um, and moves to try to overtake on the outside of the first turn. So Verstappen has already defended on the inside and drifts back to the outside, which is allowed, like you're not allowed to do two defensive moves, but you are allowed to do one and then go back to the racing line, right? Which might coincide in being a defensive move, but that's the strategy. Uh, but as he was doing that, he just pushed Botas off the track. Uh, he like <laughs> immediately uh, gets a message. Um, I guess it's not immediately, but like soon after he is given a five second penalty and he says, for what? I gave him space. He gave him yeah. like a millimeter. They're doing a great job of killing races, racing. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. It was this this complete, uh, you know, little little rant. Yes. Um. It's weird, uh, and I, I'm trying to account for my bias here when it comes to Verstappen. Um, I feel like when I consider his body of work, and this has been sort of remarked on, I think, since the start of his career, he is a very edgy driver defensively. Um, his car gets very wide, and he has sort of been seen on multiple occasions to really push the limits of that one defensive move and then back to the line. Yes. Um, so I think there's, there's a body of work issue where like he's always going to be testing that limit and, and he's going to be known for being that guy. So right. we'll be given less slack. Right. And so the thing is like, I like the penalty um, because He's always going to be pushing that, pushing that limit. And again, like he could have easily caused an incident there. He could have easily like trashed Botas's race if if he'd hit him and, and shredded his tire. And we have seen like there is a psychological edge that comes from being like it, again, it's that game of chicken thing, right? Where like the way to win is to throw the steering wheel out the uh, <laughs> throw the steering wheel out the car because uh, then they know you can't uh, swerve at the last minute. <laughs> There's a psychological ed- edge that comes from being the person who's sort of known as being scorched earth enough and ruthless enough that you're going to just like push your car into somebody and screw it. Yeah. Deal with the consequences. I, I think it's the, it's the Senate documentary where they talk about he gave you an option. Either you let him pass you in this corner or you crash. Those are your options. Yeah. 
So And when you're Senna and you're a fallen hero, everyone's like, Oh, Senna, magnificent. What a what a great competitor. But I think when you're a young driver, um, there's a little bit less less patience with that stuff. And I think there should be, because I don't think it's fair that the person who's just going to be an aggressive enough and like dangerous enough driver out there um, just ha- automatically gets that sort of advantage, right? We're like, well, you can't pass him on the outside because he'll put you into the wall. He'll put you into the grass. He'll hit your car. That's... That that's not that, that's not a fair contest. It feels like to me, and so he'd already kind of tested that limit once in the race. His Joker had been used up. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and I agree. Um, after the race, he says, uh, "I let's see, we hit each other. Maybe I could have given him a few millimeters more uh, space, but he was on the white line. In hindsight, it's easy to say I should have done this or that, but when you arrive at a corner doing 340 kilometers an hour, it makes for a whole different decision-making situation, uh, than when reviewing it on the video footage. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, right, right call, I think. Uh, but yeah, like we said, Raikkonen's tires are wearing down and Hamilton's been reeling him in. So the question was, will Hamilton catch him, uh, or will the race end before he can get past Raikkonen. And it turns out, yeah, Hamilton catches up to him with eight laps to go uh, and, and gets by him without too much trouble. Ra- Raikkonen did make him work for it a little bit at the first chicane, but it was a clean pass. Yeah, he knew he was beaten. I, I have to say, like, it was... <sighs> Mercedes played like played their hand very well, uh, especially given that Ferrari had sort of made that mistake with, with the pit stop because Hamilton knew he had him uh, for a long time like Hamilton did not push particularly hard to like stay on right on the back of uh of Raikkonen th- throughout throughout that stint um he knew it was it was pretty clear that like Raikkonen's situation was only going to get more dire and so he just sort of stayed close and just waited until Kimmy's tires went hurtling over the cliff and uh, that was when he made his move. He's almost able to do it at will at that point. And I think if he'd aggressively tried to do the overtake and pass, I think it might have gone differently, right? Because then I, then, I, then I think that is how you end up destroying your tires is you try to make the move too early and then you're spending several laps like right on someone's, right on someone's tail and you're getting, uh, you know, you're, everything is overheating. So I think... Uh, you know, Mercedes and Hamilton were were very patient and very smart uh, in in handling that. And uh, Kimmy just never had a prayer. I think after that pit stop, which was really disappointing, because I would have really liked for Kim- <laughs> I would have really liked for Kimmy to win a race as a Ferrari driver at Monza right now. Yes, uh, yes. There was a a shot that a lot of people linked to me on Twitter. Um, of a Ferrari fan who has blonde hair about my length. And so everyone was like, were you at Monza? Uh, But he is like holding his hands in front of his face in prayer. And I think when that shot came on TV, I was doing the same thing because I really, I really wanted that to happen. Um, You know, I'm not, I'm not Dave Lang over here. You know, I don't, I don't bleed scooteria red, uh, but 
I, I think that would have been really, really cool. Drive fast, drive smart, make headlines in F1 2018, the official video game of Formula One that puts you behind the wheel of the fastest racing machines in the world. Make a name for yourself as you speed across international racing circuits to overtake your rivals in F1 2018's revamped career mode. Become the league's most respected or most infamous driver on the track. Be prepared to establish yourself off the track as well. Increase your value in contract negotiations. Answer intense on-the-fly press interviews and build your F1 vehicle up to spec through improved R&D systems. Use that F1 know-how to decide how how to utilize your car's power using in-depth ERS management. The ultimate Formula One experience is available now on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Strap in for F1 2018. Make headlines. I totally missed. Dave Lang is a F1 guy? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> Somebody else I could have buttonholed uh, at the giant bomb thing. Um, yeah, it... It's weird. I am no longer as, like, I, I grew up as a total Tifosi, you know, <laughs> really? as it were. Like, I was, I, oh, yeah, I loved, I loved Michael Schumacher. Mm. Uh, we had a massive poster of uh, him driving in the rain at Silverstone, I think. Okay. Um, on our basement wall, like, I loved Schumacher to the point where I made all sorts of egregious excuses growing up for, like, all the edgy, shitty things he did on the track. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, no, Schumacher's just the best, man. Like, you know, people make too much out of the whole fact that, like, he basically told Rubens to move over, he'd be fired. Uh, like, you know, I was I was very much in the tank for uh, Ferrari back then. Uh, and there's still a part of me that is... like seeing that team do well. Um, although, I don't know. This year, I started to feel like yeah, maybe the Ferrari fans deserve a few more years wandering the desert. <laughs> uh, literally, if you are Kimi Raikkonen and you're at, yeah. uh, what was that, Bahrain? Is that what that was? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you know, I I totally get it where uh, when I hear people say like, or like roll their eyes and say like, oh, Ferrari, you can't root for them. They just like historically have just won all the time and they talk about the Schumacher days being really boring. Um but as far as I've been watching them, they've been the uh, the disgraced king who is trying to fight their way back uh, yeah. and, and displace Mercedes, uh, which has been like you know uh, the the dominant ones as long as I've been watching, which is from about I think 2014. Um, so that has been fun for me to watch this uh, reascendancy of. Ferrari. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean I'm that attached to that. I, I like individual drivers. So when I see something like this happen to Riken and it bums me out. Um, but that's just what makes racing exciting. So, yeah. Uh, Raikkonen says after the race, unfortunately our tires went and it was no match. It was a losing battle from that point. I tried, but it was impossible in the end. Unfortunately, uh, it's far from ideal, but this is what we've got today. And we did our maximum. So there's there's a couple things about the end of this race. Uh, first of all, I loved the trophy ceremony with what appeared to be splicers from Bioshock <laughs> yeah. uh, brought out onto the 
<laughs> it's people wearing like uh, masquerade masks uh-huh. with like feather uh, like crests on them. Uh, it was weird and cool as hell. Uh, huge <laughs> improvement over uh, sort of the the grid girls approach and just yeah. kind of surreal and weird in, yes. in a way I really loved. Also, this rivalry has genuinely gotten nasty. I think at this point, like you don't hear like when they when Mercedes got on the radio to Lewis and and Valtteri, and they're like formation f- formation all the way around for our Italian colleagues. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's rare you see teams spike the football that aggressively uh, at their opponent on their opponent's home turf. Uh-huh. Uh, this is clearly like. Oh, Mercedes does not like having been pressed this hard by uh, by Ferrari, and Ferrari is clearly starting to, and Ferrari fans are certainly starting to get in their head about their inability to overtake this team. Yes. Yeah, so I guess it should come as no surprise that Hamilton up on the stadium gets booed a whole lot by the crowd, uh, but he handled it well. He said, quote, um, from Reuters here there was a lot of negativity as there is when you're against an opposing team Uh, in the future the negativity is a really positive thing for me because I harness it and turn it from negative to positive Uh, and I I believe that from Hamilton I think he is the sort of guy that 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 really motivates Uh, also that probably drives his haters more nuts so yes (laughs) a fun thing to say Uh, what did you make of the um, of all the boo birds uh, that were out. It, it it didn't quite sit well with me, and I don't I don't remember being this bad in the past. Uh, you, yeah, it was it was rough. Um, uh, it was it was much louder <laughs> than I, I I remember hearing. I do remember. I've heard it before, um, and and not just at Italy, uh, but you know. There's a lot of reasons why it might happen. Um, I, I, you know, you can't point to just one, but mm-hmm. y- you hope that it's just uh, poor sportsmanship. But this is the problem, right? It doesn't feel entirely no. like it's just that. And that's the... It is hard not to suspect, like... One of the fastest, like, 180s I've done on somebody is I just met them. Uh, and it was an older guy, and he was talking. It, we, it turns out we both liked F1. And, uh, you know, we started talking about the state of the, the sport, and the guy goes, like, yeah, I just I can't stand this era. I can't stand, I can't stand Hamilton. He's just such a thug. Oh, boy. And immediately it was like, okay, so that's, that's what this is. Uh, and it's hard not to suspect that, like, the vitriol, like Sebastian Vettel, like cleaned house at at Red Bull for years and years and years, and that and those seasons were genuinely boring. That stuff was like <laughs> legitimately frustrating and obnoxious. And I don't think I ever heard a crowd turn on Seb oh, the really? way this crowd turned on Hamilton. And it is hard not to suspect that there is sort of a like a racial component to that. Uh, that it's not just frustration that, uh, you know, Mercedes are always Lucy with the football, that that it is the fact that it is Lewis Hamilton who is the best driver in the world right now and kicking your team's ass. It's hard not to suspect that's a big part of it. Yeah. 
Um, but for what it's worth, I, it, he, he does have, I mean, he's probably dealt with this stuff a lot in the past and, uh, yeah. he is just choosing to, <laughs> to just leave it behind him. Or, you know, or turn or that crowd around. Yeah. Felipe Massa. He comes out and immediately everyone's just like, hey, Felipe. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's always so good uh, when, when Felipe comes out and just immediately starts just chatting up the crowd in Italian. Uh, he did he did his best uh, his best attempt to to, to, to to work the crowd and uh, to, to make that that ceremony feel a little bit less weird. Uh, but yeah, and then what what a lousy way for uh Kimmy's apparently last time at Monza as a Ferrari driver to go. That's right. Uh we will we will get into the silly season, but first the result, Lewis Hamilton winning the Italian Grand Prix followed by Kimmy Raikkonen and in third place Max Verstappen. Uh in fourth, Valtteri Bottas followed by Sebastian Vettel, Esteban Ocon, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz Jr., Lance Stroll and finishing 10th Roman Grosjean. However, uh, so apparently the stewards had told Haas um, in a technical directive issued to teams uh, that they the teams were given until the Italian Grand Prix to adhere to new floor rules. So rules about the car's floor. Specifically, the front uh, the front edge of them must have a certain radius. Haas provided the stewards with an email thread uh, in which they informed the technical director they would introduce a new update by the Singapore Grand Prix, partly due to the summer shutdown, and did not receive a response back. So they went to the Italian Grand Prix with their old floor and Renault was like, nope, that's not that's not up to code, and lodged a formal complaint, which the stewards agreed with and disqualified Roman Grosjean from the Italian Grand Prix. Them's the rules. But the defense is we sent an email about it. Yeah, and didn't hear back. <laughs> God, I love it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, like I, somebody who listens to the show surely understands the ramifications of this rules violation and why this is a rule that people are being sticklers over. Uh, I, so uh, that YouTube channel that I mentioned previously, yeah. Chain Bear F1, uh, I will put a link, but they he basically goes into exactly what happened and why. Okay. Um, which, uh, you know, I can't remember all the details of, but I will link that in the show notes at f1.cool if anyone would like to uh, dive in on that. But the long and short of it is Grosjean's out, and the person who moves up and gets their very first Formula One point, Sergei Sorotkin. That's right. Hey. Double points for Williams. Finally. So good for him. Moving on up. Moving on up in the world. Uh, behind him, in the non-points-paying positions, we have Charles Leclerc, Stoffel Van Dorn, Nico Hulkenberg, Pierre Gasly, Marcus Erickson, and Kevin Magnussen. Not classified were Danny Rick, Alonso, Hartley, and now Grosjean. Uh, so with that, 
why don't we take it to the news? Speaking of drivers, uh, as we mentioned, Kimi Raikkonen will not be returning to Ferrari next year. That has been confirmed by Ferrari, by Kimi, by everyone. Um, because uh, it is a was apparently the the wishes of the late CEO of Ferrari, Sergio Marchionne, uh, that he wanted Charles Leclerc in the seat. And uh, the team, it seems, has chosen to honor those wishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Raikkonen, despite his pole position and performance, I guess, uh, in the race, uh, you know, it's got to be taken at a, you know, the, the macro view, I suppose. Um, but he is out of Ferrari and is actually swapping seats with Leclerc going to Sauber where he started in Formula One in 2001, which I think is kind of fitting. Uh, and in fact, he announced it on his Instagram account, which yes, Kimi Raikkonen has an Instagram account and I think a Snapchat uh, with a very low resolution JPEG <laughs> of him. Take a look, y'all. Of him uh, in the Sauber race suit uh, with the caption, guess who's back? Question mark, exclamation point. Next two years with Sauber ahead. Feels extremely good to go back where it all began. Uh, and I would also like to note, there are three exclamation points in that caption from Kimi Raikkonen. So I think he is legitimately excited to go back to Sauber. Uh, which, you know, I, I've never met the guy. I don't really know that much about what he is like. Um, but... He seems like a guy that just likes to drive cars and race. And sure, you can race at or you can drive a car at the front of a race, but are you really racing so much as you would be in a car like a more recent Sauber? You know, Sauber in my mind for a long time was just a back marker, right? It was back there with the Manor, with the Caterham. Uh, but now they're like contenders, right? They're getting points. They have more points than a lot of teams. Um, so I think I think if I were Raikkonen, this would be a fun prospect. No, you're not going to win a championship, but uh, there are also rumors that he has become or will become a part owner of the Sauber team. So there mm. could be that as well. Probably more fun than holding on by your fingertips at Ferrari. Uh, With all that pressure. Yeah, like, it's weird. Um, There's always that story that goes around that, like, you know, back in the day, Schumacher uh, sort of trying to mentor Vettel was like, if you ever get a chance, you you need to go. You need to go drive at Ferrari. Um, And maybe. I don't know. Like, that team has never seemed like a fun place to be, though, right? Like, going all the way back to, like, the Enzo Ferrari days. Uh, it's always been a pressure cooker. It's always been political. It's always been uh, team first, then driver. And, uh, you know, Italy expects. And I can see that being exhausting, particularly, you know, as the number two driver uh, in the situation Raikkonen finds himself where it's Seb's team. Um, and all they're constantly looking for a way to upgrade you know, to, to get somebody else in there who can do better than you. So you're always having to prove yourself week after week. 
uh, I can see that being a pretty joyless environment. I think you're right. Like, I don't think Kimmy has ever been somebody who wants to be in the Nikki Lauda, uh, Michael Schumacher mold of like doing a lot of technical direction of car development. Like, he just wants to get behind the wheel and race yeah, in a lot of he ways. He certainly doesn't like the spotlight. Yeah. And you kind of need to do both of those uh, at, at Ferrari. I don't know. Um, it, it, the the move felt almost inevitable. Uh, I'm very curious to see how it all works out next season. But it seems like maybe it, it it's brought, brought Kimmy some relief having this resolved. I think this makes me more excited for next year. Uh, because mm-hmm. in both cases now... I'm very excited to see what happens. I'm a uh, a real believer in Leclerc. I think it'll be really fun to watch him up there. I hope he, you know, <laughs> that doesn't crumble under that immense pressure. He's a young kid still. Um, but I think as a rookie driver, you know, somewhat lower expectations, but still it's Ferrari, so... Uh, what's going to happen with that. Uh, and then Raikkonen and Sauber, I like Raikkonen, and um, I will be rooting for him to do well in yeah. the Sauber. So uh, I don't know. I, I think this it, it seems to make sense, and I'm excited for it. Um, I'm also excited to see a brand new driver, Rob Zachney, in at McLaren. And his name is Lando Norris. So that's pretty cool. Uh, he is replacing uh, Stoffel Van Dorn, who currently um, does not have a race seat. Uh, but Norris is, I'm just going to read this directly from Formula1.com. After dominating the national karting scene, he's British, uh, he then won all five of the most prestigious championships at the world and European level. Uh, by winning the world Karting World Championship at the age of 14, he became the youngest Karting World Championship winner following in the footsteps of a certain Lewis Hamilton. He stepped up to single-seaters with a string of single-seater championships, including the Formula Renault 2.0 Northern European Cup, the Formula Renault 2.0 Euro Cup, and the Toyota Racing Series Championship in New Zealand, all in 2016. Jesus. Then in 2017, he won Formula 3 Europe. Uh, he's in F2 this year, and he hasn't done as great, uh, but one could arguably chalk some of that up to the technical For, problems. Formula 2 is the one where the guy got on the radio basically crying, right? Yes, where he's like, you're yeah. killing our careers because none of these cars work. <laughs> I don't want to race in this championship anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think we can probably give him a mulligan on that. Damn, I didn't realize how dominant he's been since he got into single seaters. Like I've heard the name for a while, but like when you put it all out there, um, Van Doren had a pr- an impressive track record coming into F1, but like it was a little more spread out. Mm-hmm. There was nothing like this <laughs> basically like single year of like absolute dominance uh, that Norris is coming in with. That's really cool. Yeah. So I'm excited to learn more about him and uh, and to see him race. I hope that the signs Norris combo results in a little more of a you know interteam competition because um, I think that's that's also or one of the big reasons why I just can't 
stay interested in McLaren because not only are they as a team not very competitive, you can't really you know what's going to happen with their teammates, the team yeah. battle. So I I suspect like are you really interested in the Stroll Sorokin battle though? Like, have you ever at a certain <laughs> like in this season you ever been like, damn, like I know Williams isn't going to do well, but I wonder who's going to win the Stroll Sorokin duel? I guess like uh, infinitesimally. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like I mean, this is this is the thing is like this is all academic if McLaren can't get their shit together. Like, yeah. I hope Norris doesn't have too long a contract with McLaren and has room to renegotiate uh, if this gets off on the wrong foot. Apparently, all a bunch of other teams wanted to sign him. Uh, yeah. And McLaren was like, nah, he's part of our driver program. Sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hope, hope they put a, put a good car behind him. Uh, I did like that he sort of... Everyone's had very good things to say about Stoffel uh, here at the end. I liked Norris. Um, Including other drivers. He, yeah. And and Norris sort of saying at the start, he's like, I think Stoffel is one of the best drivers uh, to enter F1 in the last several years, but he got thrown in at the deep end, uh, which I think is very true. Um, I, like, I... Sometimes you just get unlucky with your opportunities. I worry that's going to be the story of Stoffel's F1 career, and mm-hmm. that'll be that. Um, I really hope that they that the same thing doesn't happen to Norris here. Um, but right now it looks like uh, Van Dorn is currently without a ride. Yeah, so here's who's left. Um, we have Force India unconfirmed. Perez and Ocon are both question marks, but Lance Stroll is waiting in the wings. Because his dad bought the team, so uh, the rumors are that uh, Stroll will take Ocon's seat, and Ocon will be left without a seat. Uh, Williams, Sorotkin is unconfirmed, um, and again, Stroll probably going to Force India. Uh, Toro Rosso, Hartley is unconfirmed, and there's an open seat uh, from Gasly's move to Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Haas drivers are unconfirmed, and at Sauber, uh, Kimi's teammate is unconfirmed. Um, Erickson is, has, <coughs> has not been signed. Uh, in other news, Alonso tested an Indy car uh, at a road course, Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama. Uh, he drove the Andretti team, uh, team's car 29, which is the same number he used for his single appearance in the championship to date uh, in last year's Indianapolis 500. This is from racefans.net. Uh, last weekend, Alonzo said he had not made a decision on how much, if any, of the championship he wants to participate in. Quote, I can do the full series. I can do one race. I can do nothing. I will study all the possibilities. <laughs> Sounds like he's really got his pick. <laughs> okay. Well, let us know, Fernando. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then I wasn't able to corroborate this image uh, anywhere else, but I found a apparently Ross Braun. I mean, he's in the photo. Um, did a presentation somewhere of what the 2021 cars could look like. And he's showing uh, in this photo from Reddit, uh, user Randall the Vandal, uh, or Van Dye? That's an uppercase I. Yeah. It's confusing. Uh, he's showing this car, and it looks really sweet. So I'm going to link oh, that. Yeah. It looks like... Uh, it's, it's very concept car. 
Very common. Looks a little art. smaller and like they simplified the aerodynamics a lot. Yes. Uh, hmm, okay. Yeah. I think it was, they make the halo look cool. They do. Uh that that does look that does look very very sleek. Um and it'll be interesting to see teams get away from all the cascade elements on the um uh, on the front wing. Though I have to say like I think I think it might have been at Monza they had a front wing camera uh that caught I don't think I'd ever realized until like it was either this race or at Spa where I where I realized like how much the front wings almost seemed to breathe under speed mm-hmm. with all those little like light cascade elements. It's a weird and uncanny thing to see when you realize that like oh yeah, uh the entire thing just seems to like almost pulsate depending on how much air is moving yeah. over it. It's it's a wild thing. It really gives you a sense as to the actual forces acting on these things. Because like you hear about aerodynamics and you're like, okay, I guess if you make it, you know, more flat, it's gonna go faster a little bit. But when you look at that, it's like, no, this there's a lot of air going over this and the the force is considerable. Uh, so yeah, you're right. That's cool. Although I think there are, there are regulations that, um, say that your wings can't move this much. Yeah. You know, there's like certain, uh, ranges that that they can, that they can wiggle. Um, and finally, uh, thanks to Jesse Gamble on Twitter and Kiyomi, AKA at words are wasted on Twitter and Fink at son of Fink on Twitter for linking us uh, this, oh man, this uh, guy in Moto2. So it's the it's the Formula 2 to MotoGP. Um, he is, uh, I'll, I'll link the video on um, uh, in the show notes, but he is uh, racing on his motorbike behind another driver and he comes up next to him, reaches over and squeezes his brake lever. Which is unbelievably dangerous, uh, and uh, the the news out of this is that he earned a two race ban immediately, and then the just recently has been terminated by uh, his team for the 2019 season. Um, so good. Uh, yeah, I hate seeing stuff like this. In uh, you know, go back to. Um, uh, Santino Ferrucci is that his name? Where he hit his teammate and also has been like texting from the car, that kind of thing. What? I just, I yeah, that guy sounds like he sucks. Uh, and he's a part of. He's still a part of Haas's driver program. Um, Hang which on, is I'm, like, I'm looking at this texting thing. How do you text from a? How do you text from, from an? Open I don't know. Cockpit racing. You can't even buckle your own seatbelt. Where'd you get arm phone? strength? Uh, I'm, I'd say I'm not mad. I'm impressed, but actually, I'm still pretty mad too. That's that's absurd. But no, this is like if this if this guy ever gets a ride in motor like in motor racing again, like then something is wrong because yeah. that is like I couldn't believe when I saw the footage. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, um, Fe- fellow rider, point, uh, fellow rider, Cal Crutchlow. Uh, says that his actions um, warrant a lifetime ban. So that's what other writers are saying. This is not just like, oh, those guys in MotoGP, they're crazy. No, this is like uncool for MotoGP too. At a different point on the track, like that's like attempted murder. Um, I mean... I don't, they're not going 
15 miles an hour. No, like, I mean, I, like, I, I, I used to work with a guy who did pretty serious, uh, like, motorcycle racing. Um, and, like, he's had, like, 150 mile an hour spills off his bike where you just, like, are riding your leathers, basically, for, you know, 50, 60 yards yeah. uh, just on bare asphalt. But, like, that's, like, those are the risks you agree to run. What you don't, what you don't agree to, to deal with is some road rash asshole, uh, like, trying to murder you on a goddamn bike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no cops, so they can't come up behind you and pull you over <laughs> like Road Rash. Uh, worth also noting that uh, the the outfit that he was racing with is called the Marinelli Snipers, which is a pretty cool name for a racing team. Uh, and finally, in the dumb section of news, here is a picture from Reddit. Uh, of Raikkonen at Sauber with an Ericsson. And he's holding a cell phone made by made by Ericsson. Oh, wait, that is an old-ass photo. Yeah. Look at him. I didn't it's even recognize pimply. that. God damn. Okay. <laughs> I laughed. But that is it for uh, Monza and the news around it. Let's move now to the future and talk about... The Singapore Grand Prix, Rob Zachney. Marina Bay. It's a street circuit. It's very bumpy. And you know what? As street circuits go, this is maybe, well, I guess Monaco is a street circuit, but this one doesn't look like, like one of the things that uh, I kind of don't like about Formula E is that it's cool that they're street circuits, but they're all like, it's like someone drew them on graph paper. You know, they're all like 90 degree mm-hmm. turns and stuff. Singapore doesn't look like that. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like it. I also like it because it's a night race and that's cool. It's a gorgeous race. Uh, yeah, like the every, every from every angle, it's really pretty. But it is also a pressure cooker for chaos. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. Singapore, I don't have a great feel for how the racing is at Singapore because... My overriding images of Singapore are of people like overcooking a turn, going into the wall, and a safety car coming out. Like yes. that is sort of my enduring image of uh, of Singapore. Is it is a very it's it's a very difficult race. It's a very difficult race to stay out of trouble at. Um, and there are twenty three turns. Yeah, in uh, three point two miles. Or five point one kilometers. Uh, so there's there's a lot there's a lot going on. It's also really humid. Um, uh, yeah, uh, F1.com has some some pretty good stats here. Hamilton has won three times. Vettel's won four times. Uh, three of those four were in a Red Bull. Uh, Danny Rick has finished on the podium at Singapore in all four of his previous visits with Red Bull, the only circuit on which he has achieved this, although he has never won at Marina Bay and he's the only, uh, he's only ever led one lap there. Uh, the safety car, as you mentioned, Rob has appeared in every Marina Bay F1 race ever held since 2008, uh, with 12 laps of safety car running last season, more than 20% of the entire race. 
Uh, furthermore, lap one accidents have caused a safety car deployment in each of the last two years. And boy, was last year's lap, lap one safety car deployment spectacular. That was the one when uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel collided into each other and also took out Max Verstappen and I think Fernando Alonso. Uh, and in all those pictures from the, like, it's all under the lights and it's like still kind of raining. Oh, man. Uh, oh, that's right. This is the other one where um, they build they build that lighting rig over the length of the course, right? This like I remember Will Buxton talking about this back in the NBC days, where like there's like this um, overhead lighting array over the length of the course uh, that is just well massively power intensive. Uh, but yeah, like to get this thing to show up on cameras and to make it like clear for drivers, this is. Um, like it's brighter than daylight under those lights, uh, if memory mm. serves. Uh, it is just the logistics of putting this thing on are uh, are, are wild. I want to say, is this also the circuit where we had somebody try to get on the track one year? Uh yes, I think it's yeah. Where this, Vettel was like, there is somebody on the track. There's a dude on the track. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was this one, and that has also happened in China, I believe. Um. Yeah, apparently drivers can lose up to three kilograms or six and a half pounds just from sweating in this in this race. Uh, I, I've also heard that that lighting array causes elect. It has in the past caused electronic interference. Um, so, like teams have lost telemetry and stuff. Almost as a certainly. Uh, and uh, the drivers race with um, clear visors. Which is really cool because in slow-mo yeah. shots you can see their eyes. Uh, Red Bull is historically good on this track because it's like a tighter circuit, and they're usually good at those. But they have downplayed their downplayed their chances uh, for this race. Um, I think the last couple of times Mercedes has not started like uh, they've started like five, fifth, and sixth and stuff. So um, don't really know what's going to happen going into this one. Um, some minor changes to it. The length of it has been reduced by two meters because they've tweaked some of the corners. I mean, a lot of this, if not all of it, uh, is roads all of the time, uh, or all other times. Um, this is also where, uh, Crashgate happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, where it's from Autosport, Nelson PK Jr. infamously deliberately crashed on the exit in 2008, uh, of turn 17 uh, after orders from his Renault team to trigger a safety car to help teammate Fernando Alonso's strategy. Uh, him, Nelson Piquet Jr., and I think the Renault team principal uh, both were uh, banned from F1 and still are. Yeah, though I can't remember, did they let Briatore go back to managing drivers? Because uh, he was also an agent. Uh, mm, and I want to okay. say that... Uh, Alonzo really liked him. Uh, I mean, obviously, he must have liked <laughs> Alonzo, or else he wouldn't have also had he would have his entire career. Accident. Yeah, um, but yeah, Briatore, uh, just a interesting character uh, in in F one. Um, kind of a brilliant scumbag in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's, the, it's the way to describe him, like. Um, 
But but yeah, that that sort of marked the 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 end of him. And I want to say that year, if he doesn't do that and that race doesn't end with Alonzo winning, it screwed up a Massa pit stop. And that was the year that Massa lost the championship by like a point. Yeah. Um, the, uh, let's see, the weather for Singapore looks to be pretty warm, uh, 82 Fahrenheit, uh, 29 Celsius on, um, uh, race day. I'm sorry, on qualifying day, uh, with 77 degree or percent humidity, uh, and a decent amount of wind uh although no let's see five percent precipitation for qualifying day climbing to about 13 percent for race day apparently last year was the only time that it has rained there Uh, but similar temps for race day uh and uh wind dies down a little bit so gonna be a hot one maybe wet we shall see uh also there's a turn called the singapore sling which is pretty good uh in terms of tires we've got soft ultra soft and hyper soft don't see a lot of that so that's fun uh low grip stress and lateral forces um about a Hmm. three out of five on asphalt abrasion but high high downforce uh is required i think for this lap or for this race uh we got 61 laps uh, for a total of 308.8 kilometers, Lewis Hamilton holds the lap record in 2017. Speaking of Lewis Hamilton and friends, here are the driver standings going into Singapore. Lewis on top with 256. Vettel's got 226. Raikkonen in third with 164, followed by Botas with 159. Uh, Verstappen's got 130. Danny Rick with 118. Then we jump down to seventh place with Hulkenberg with 52. Magnuson's got 49. Perez has 46. Ocon has 45. Alonso's got 44. That's a good battle there. Uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. in 12th place with 34. Gasly's got 28. Grosjean's got 27. Leclerc has 13. Van Dorn uh, with 8. Stroll with 6. Tied with Marcus Erickson. Hartley has 2. And Sergey Sorokin... Bringing home the bacon with one point. He is no longer a pointless driver. Construction standings. Uh, that's constructors. Uh, <laughs> is 415 for Mercedes. They're on top of Ferrari with 390. Red Bull's got 248. Renault with 86. Gene Haas and team have 76 points. McLaren's got 52. Force India with 32. That's the new Force India. Uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso has 30 points. Sauber's got 19, and Williams has seven. Um, let's take it around the world of racing, shall we, Rob Zachney? Let's do it. Uh, we have the World Rally Championship in Turkey this weekend mm. over four days. Uh, we got World Superbike at Autodromo Internacional do Algarve in um, Portugal. Uh, we've got Camp and World Trucks at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
Uh, we've got Verizon IndyCar Series, the Grand Prix of Sonoma, just up the road from me. Uh, the NHRA is at uh, Maple Grove Raceway for the Dodge Nationals. Super GT is in Sportsland Sugo in, uh, oh boy. I forgot to look up the prefecture for Sportsland Sugo. <laughs> uh, it is at the, it is at Muramatamachi Shibatagun. Miyagi-ken prefecture. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, supercars are at the um, Sandown Raceway for the Sandown 500. And don't you think I forgot about NASCAR. Rob, NASCAR is back for yet another race this weekend, Sunday, September 16th for the South Point 400. Not nearly as exciting as the one last weekend. I'm sorry, last Monday. We're having them on Mondays now. Which was <clears throat> Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard. See, that's the kind of race that I feel like maybe you should have just kept the old NASCAR chief for Big Machine <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> Oh, it sure fits, huh? Oh, man. <sighs> yeah. Um, but Formula One, also this weekend, first practice kicks off September 14th at 1.30 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, second practice, 5.30 a.m. Pacific time, same day. Uh, Saturday, September 15th at 3 a.m. is third practice, followed by qualifying at 6 a.m. Pacific time. And the race, Rob, Sunday, September 16th at 5, 10 a.m. Uh, interestingly, the drivers stay on European time for this. So they, like, go to sleep in uh, the afternoon and wake up at, like, 3 a.m. or something. God. Uh, or the other way around, because uh, they have to race at night. Yeah, they wake up in the afternoon, yeah. Uh, Shout outs to everybody uh, on the West Coast who's going to have some, have some F one to keep them uh, keep their insomnia company. Uh, this I, I always liked when I lived lived out in L A. when like I couldn't sleep and the the Asia part of the circuit came on because it was like okay, well now it's two a.m. I can do something, I can watch practice. <laughs> yeah, I won't hate myself in the morning for that. <laughs> Uh, fantasy standings. Uh, if you'd like to join our fantasy uh, F1 group, uh, you can do so with the invite code 0B26FE, and that'll be listed in the show notes as well. Uh, up on top for another week is Speedy McCready's with uh, 1,775 points. In second, we've got Bobby Gondo Racing, followed by Trendsetters, Bluto's Elite. Orange B-King F1, Made in Haas, Bois Party, Go F1 Yourself, Funky Bunch, and Scuderia Mateo in 10th place. Uh, also, I would like to shout out uh, 12th place, hashtag Kafiat did nothing wrong. You know, I endorse that stance. Uh, as, as time has gone by, that guy got a raw deal. Hey, but what's this? Are you making, are you making a charge? Up the standings in That's Fantasy right. F1? I am. I am way up 
to 81st points. I mean place. <laughs> 81st place. You broke the top 100. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we are still at 495 uh, people in the league. So, And I will bet you that as I'll bet you everybody's still competing and still giving it the same amount of attention. Like this isn't garbage time of the season. Your your gains, I am convinced. Like people were, <laughs> they were fighting. They're fighting hard. Yeah, just but I was just, I was craftier. Just that dialed in. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter. Uh, follow at Shift F1 Podcast for show updates and any fun F1 stuff where you run across. I'm at Drew Scanlon. Rob Zachney, you are? At Rob Zachney. You can also email us at f1.cool slash emails. Uh, as always, you can find our show notes there as well on f1.cool. Until next time, I am Drew Scanlon. He is Rob Zachney. Uh, where can people find you at your day job, Rob Zachney? Uh, they can find me at waypoint.vice.com. Excellent. Anything else from you? Nope, that, that'll that'll cover it. Just really curious to see how the circuit go, this uh, the circuit goes. I, I I'm going to cross my fingers again and say once again, I don't think it'll be a good race. Hey, it worked last time. <laughs> Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next time.